0: It's, it's yeah. every young man's dream to I have, know. like, a fantasy factory. Have, but for me,
1: with, like, uh, let's say, call it a million-dollar build-out, mm-hmm. I would just sit there lonely and bored. Yeah. But now if I can invite a million subscribers to come play with me,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and I sound like some. a <laughs> child, a
1: 39-year-old man-child who just wants to have a half-pipe and have kids come skate with me. Yeah, like, have, that's all I want. Exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, well, I have this LLC already. I just keep doing stuff like that. Yeah. Oh,
0: cool. We're well, rolling. Well, yo, yo. Thanks for coming, Nick. My pleasure. I'm Kat, your host of the BRAD podcast. Um, you know, I'd like to start out this podcast by asking who are you to the community? You know, you're Which known, community? Exactly. <laughs> you're a professional runner or former professional runner, YouTuber, yeah. you know, started this business, Run Gum. If you were to describe yourself to someone who didn't know what you did, what, what would you tell them?
1: It really depends on how old the person is that asks. So if a 13-year-old comes up and says, what do you do for a living? I just look them dead in the eye and say I'm a YouTuber.
0: <laughs> and they go nuts. Yeah. They go crazy.
1: But if a 55-year-old asked me what I did and I said that, they'd roll their eyes. Yeah, you know, so I say I'm in marketing. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I would say I'm a content creator marketer. Mm-hmm. But my passion's YouTube. My, you know, follow up passion to YouTubing is syndicating that content everywhere I can. Mm-hmm. So we're active on every single platform. And then, you know, with that community, how can I you know, not only motivate them to get out and be active. How can I facilitate their love for their fitness? You yeah, know, and I think, Run Gum's a great example of that. As I wanted to get somebody off the couch, out the door, and go do something. Yeah, you know, so it packs a big dose of energy, gets you out the door. and yeah, go run or go lift or go do something. Yeah, yeah. you
0: can't sit on the couch and exactly. just chew gum. And I, and I
1: always through. say, like, I don't, I don't care what you're passionate about. It could be yoga. Yeah. it could be cycling. There's no right or wrong answer, but you got to do something every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and even just walking. Like I just. Found the love for walking recently. I can't believe it. Oh my
0: god! Is it because your dog? Is that where no, the love? Because, from it's because from?
1: I'm too old to run like I want to. Like, how old are you? Yeah. You're young. Yeah, and I'm you got young. a lot of miles and left I, in your tires. I, and
0: I know, and it's it's a uh, enjoy it's good. it. <laughs> and I like the walking part too. So I mean, it's well,
1: fun. I didn't understand walking when I was like in my 20s. Yeah, I'm like, you can see so much more if you run. It's way more fun. Yeah, but now running hurts so much on my knees and my hips. But I can go out for a 10, 15 mile walk and just get the same like you know, clear my head, mm-hmm. get my thoughts in order, see nature, but not ache quite as bad at the yeah, end.
0: Yeah. Did you say 10, 15 mile? Or yeah. Minute? yeah, oh, yeah.
1: So every Sunday I go for a really long walk. Wow. Well, lo- maybe not 10 or 15 miles, but yeah. I But mean, sometimes. Sometimes when we're hiking, yeah. Yeah. 10 I, miles. I
0: love that because... Um, you know, you don't publish a lot about your walks as far as I've seen, you know, I scrolled through your stuff today. And so that's something that's truly for you. I did have this one
1: Instagram post where I was just like, walk. I'm like, guys, I've discovered a new form of exercising. (laughs) It's called walking and it's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How about the, in the winter months? Uh, Oh yeah, I don't
1: mind. So we are in Eugene. It's like, even our bad days are like, cold and rainy yeah but
0: raining you get
1: used to it um no I I, I, you know we're talking about skinning and skiing I Mm -hmm. love love doing that if it's snowy out um I got snowshoes like we find a way to get active and I don't I also think there's no excuse for anything like yeah if you layer right there's pretty much no condition that you can't go out in Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I mean you're you're right I recently found out how much I dislike the cold and I come from a skiing background. Yeah. I had a relationship with Dean for a long it? time. Yeah, I yeah. hate the cold. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like it slowly wore on me and and um Yeah. Grind then, you down. Yeah. Luckily I'm spending winters in Hawaii. Yeah, real rough.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but I got the same way when I was running, you know, professionally, I, I got to the point where, you know, forty and sleeting when you're running ten miles is not okay. Like it's not enjoyable. Yeah. And I told my coach, I was like, listen, I can't do a winter in Oregon anymore. He's like, Good, go, go to Australia. Yeah. Is Mexico. that what you did? Yeah. For yeah. like five years, every winter about right after Christmas, I'd pack my bags and I'd go to central Mexico or Australia, mm-hmm. uh, wherever I could chase the sun.
0: I know that's where it's getting to me. Uh, I, Carson calls me a lizard because I just need sun on my skin. But I think half of that is just trying to beat my head against the wall, running in the snow If you weren't running, hurt. how many
1: miles a week are you doing right now?
0: You know, I'm building right now. Like I top out at like maybe 100. I'll probably go up to 120. That's wild. So you're
1: spending hours and hours a day outside. It's way better to be in dry, sunny weather, even if it's cold, but dry and sunny as opposed to cold and rainy,
0: it's, and but I, if you
1: weren't running, I don't think you'd necessarily feel the same.
0: I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, and I think also with running to that so many miles, like I'm just much leaner, yeah. you know, and that contributes to being cold all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely, yeah. especially if you get wet. <laughs> I know, it's brutal. And I have um, rain odds, so my hands just like won't yeah. function. Um, but yeah, so what does it say on your tax returns, just out of curiosity?
1: Uh, well, that's a really good question. So personal or business?
0: Either. So uh, Nick Simmons, Nick Simmons that's who but am I business. I, Nicholas
1: Boone Simmons, 39, 39 this month. I'm mm-hmm. um, getting used to that. And on the business, just Nick Simmons LLC. Mm-hmm. So Nick Simmons LLC is a business that I created way back in like 2009 to handle my pro running mm-hmm. career. All the money that came in from yeah. shoe deals or prize money, appearance fees, mm-hmm. all came through there. And it's a single member LLC. So then I'd pay myself, but there are a lot of tax advantages to that. Yeah. And then when I retired, it went to zero because yeah. I mean, all the deals went to zero and I almost canceled it. I was like, I'm just going to get rid of this LLC. Like I don't want to pay the you know $300 fee or whatever it costs to maintain this. And my wife said, well, don't do that. Just become an influencer. And I'm like, I'm not going to like just yeah. create YouTube videos. TikTok wasn't even around at that point. She's like, why don't you start a YouTube channel? And so kind of a lot of people had been chirping at me to start a YouTube channel, and I finally did it. And then the money that came via the YouTube channel or Instagram or you know mm-hmm. now TikTok all just goes through Nick Simmons LLC. Yeah, but still a single member LLC.
0: And so does it say on your tax returns? Is your business is it YouTuber? Is it content oh, creator? Oh, good question. I think I put
1: marketing. Marketing. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's how we make all our money is mm-hmm. via the you know ad integrations and the ads that YouTube runs on the videos. Yeah, and-
0: I love that question because. Um, I get that, you know, all the time, like, what do you do for work? And yeah. it's, it's complicated, you know, yeah. uh, but it says pro athlete on my, yeah. um, tax returns, but I don't like to talk about that. So I just say, yeah. I do contract work and people are like, are I you think thinking?
1: even as a pro athlete, I didn't put pro athlete. I yeah. think I just put marketing. Really? It's just an overall, well, cause you know, when you're going through the list of things that you can click mm-hmm. on. And not just on on an IRS site, but any site you have to say like what industry you're in. There's always a marketing tab. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Did you have a
0: good tax person to help you? Yeah, I did. Uh,
1: He's back in Boise and I've been working with him for, gosh, I don't know, well over a decade. So he used to to joke, he's like, your taxes are so complicated because I I have to file in 10 different states and I have to submit these foreign tax credits to all the countries you raced in. It's like, it it keeps me on my toes at least. I
0: know. Same, (laughs) same here. It's crazy um but when you're a pro athlete on your tax returns you can write off 40 to 60 percent off of your groceries oh yeah i mean i I, I, what i
1: did was with my llc is just create a separate bank account for the llc so i kept track of everything that came in there and everything that went out i still do that Mm -hmm. today like i mean the youtube channel got really expensive to run (laughs) you know how many people we employ and all the stuff that we're doing but everything comes through one account and mm-hmm. everything goes out through one account. So at the end of the year, I can send that all to the accountants and say, yeah. write it all off. And,
0: Amazing. And, yeah. So you retired in 2017 as a pro athlete. You were 800 meter specialist. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned right before this podcast that you did like a farewell video on yeah. YouTube and that's kind of how your YouTube video started. Yeah. Um, how did it progress from there?
1: Well, <clears throat> the first few weeks were just me vlogging like the last couple weeks as a pro. I knew my career was coming to an end. I didn't want to say goodbye to the fans. Um, My business partner, my COO, Tiana, my wife, everyone was like, start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel. But I don't know how to edit video. Mm -hmm. And I thought like you really had to be a great video editor to start a YouTube channel. You don't. You can literally just talk to an iPhone. I actually have a friend who got to 300,000 subscribers with just an iPhone. So like
0: That's crazy. There's
1: a famous saying in photography and in videography, use the camera you got, Mm -hmm. right? And we all have at least a camera. Yeah. So I I started that way and got to about 10,000 subs just, you know, vlogging. And then I was like, well, I don't think I can vlog at this rate any longer. So why don't I just, you know, give you guys the content you want, DM me your questions on Instagram and I'll answer one each week. Mm -hmm. And so still just talking to camera. I think I actually bought a little tripod so I didn't have to hold anymore. So like already investing back into the business. And I would answer a question, you know, like, um, Nick, what kind of weekly mileage should a high schooler be running? It's the kind of question where there's a lot of people that want to know the answer, but it does also such a complicated answer. I can't respond in just a little text mm-hmm. for me to properly answer that question is a 10 minute video easily, just yeah. talking about background and you know, how durable you are and how fastly you can build over year over year and all the different things that go into weekly mileage. And so I'd make a video like that. And that kind of creeped up to about 30,000 subscribers And then I felt like I'd answered every question, you know, like the questions that were coming in, I'm like, just sending links to videos and I'm like, well, what's the next move? And so we hired a videographer. His name's Ryan Ewert. He's still working for me. Um, He's our director of content because now we have content going in so many different directions. But at the time he was just Nick's videographer and we would just kind of riff like different ideas. And I'm like, well, maybe we could make a video coming out of starting blocks and maybe we could make a video and they're still very running focused. And I remember <clears throat> about six months of that when we weren't really growing fast, just kind of banging our head against the wall in this running niche. And he was about to go um, on his uh, honeymoon. And I'm like, Ryan, take two weeks. Think of some ideas. When you come back, we only make viral videos. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. And he came back with a bunch of ideas and I had a bunch of ideas. And the best one we thought of was Olympic runner sets new world record in ski boots for 100 meters. <laughs> I'm like, it's silly. Yeah. You're going to want to see it like... The thumbnail was amazing. And so we shot it. It took like, what, 15 seconds to shoot it. I think I ran 13.7 or something. And so with a little intro and an outro, we launched it and it just went viral like crazy. Like 250,000 views. For a channel that's averaging like 20 or 30,000 views, we were just like, it worked, it worked. And so the follow-up video was uh, Olympic runner, one mile world record, dot, 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 dribbling a basketball. You know, so all of a sudden we became this like... I'm using gimmicky in the, like the best sense of it. Like mm-hmm. what's something that's fun and silly and related to sport that people will watch. Mm-hmm. And that's all we did. And yeah. it just exploded. I mean, we did one video, beat me in a race, win hundred dollars where I just set up two cones on a running trail. And if anyone could beat me, they won hundred dollars. No one did at the time. <laughs> I was still a pretty good runner there. And it got 7 million views. And all of a sudden, you know, my revenue, which is like barely break even. I mean, I'm talking like a couple thousand dollars a month and Mm -hmm. I'm giving it all to Ryan. All of a sudden we're doing like 10 or $20,000 a month. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could actually make money on on this. And then, so I hired a couple more people and we're a team of five now. Um, YouTubers predominantly first and foremost, YouTubers, but that content gets syndicated on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, you name it, the contents there, but it all, you know, comes from YouTube. Yeah.
0: So did the passion for creating this YouTube channel come first with by, um, or for relating to your fans? Or did it come because you love doing fun Great videos question. and creating the content? Do you like the process of the creation? Like where did this come from that you were like, I'm going to retire and become a YouTube star. I want
1: this <laughs> a I don't, I don't know that I was quite confident enough that I could pull it off and get to become a YouTube yeah. star. Um, I thought. I have this audience that just followed me for 12 years as a pro runner and I don't want to say goodbye to them. Like I was the runner that like, I liked running sort of like, you love training. Mm -hmm. I get that. (laughs) I hated training. I hated it. I sort of liked racing, like, especially if I did well, then I liked the racing, but I was obsessed with the audience, the fans. I just, you know, like everyone would kind of roll their eyes like, oh, we got to go sign autographs. That was my favorite part. I mean, maybe it's just an ego thing. I don't know. Yeah. But I love nothing more than these kids lining up to get a picture or an autograph. I'm like, I don't know why they like me or what I'm about. But if this little like eight year old with, you know, the big eyes, it's going to make his day. And I just wanted to like not let those people down. I didn't want to say goodbye to him. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, well, hey guys, follow me over on YouTube because you're not going to see me on the track anymore. And that's what it was initially. Um then as it started to grow, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was another ego stroke. It's like, I loved that. They loved me on the track and now they love what I'm doing here on YouTube. And, uh, that carried me for a while cause I still wasn't making a lot of money. And then now it's a, it's a combination of, I, I, I would say there's still an ego aspect to it. Mm-hmm. I love when we launch a video and people like it. Um, but more than anything, I just, I think it's so much fun. Like, yeah. I, I always kind of like joke. I'm like, I just can't believe I get paid to do this. Like, <laughs> running was fun and being a pro runner was a good career. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I certainly for a long time would have done it for free, but like, I just love YouTubing. Like I'm just, my biggest fear in the world is that like I'll lose the audience or like, I won't be able to YouTube professionally anymore. Mm-hmm. I just love it so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You definitely seem like a TV personality. And this <laughs> is like the new age TV.
1: Well, I, I also, yeah, I mean, I, Companies like Nike and Brooks and USATF invested a lot of money in training me to be on camera. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I like being on camera. It's, you know, like, my wife hates it. Camera yeah. comes on and she just, like, immediately shuts up. <laughs> She's like, I hate cameras. That's so I'm funny. like, oh, I don't mind them. Yeah. I like cameras. <laughs>
0: That's perfect because I was going to ask, you know, as someone who likes all that attention yeah. um, and... And likes, you know, I, I say ego stroke and not a bad way. No, I, um,
1: I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's same. healthy to acknowledge it, right?
0: I, exactly. And say, hey,
1: we all have an ego, and some of us need our ego stroked once in a while. Like yeah, I was, everyone does. Yeah. And I
0: think ignoring it, that's when it g- yes. becomes toxic. But how do you balance that in relationship, you know?
1: Um, that's a really good question. Like my personal relationship with my wife yeah. or my boys I'm, I'm super yeah.
0: curious about your relationship with your wife, but yeah. also with your employees.
1: Well, my wife, uh, we balance each other out really well. She loves, uh, that I love being in a spotlight. She doesn't want it for herself. And I think in some cases there's aspects to it that bother her a little bit, you know? Um, like showing certain, she doesn't like me to show parts of the house, you know, or mm-hmm. she doesn't like to show um we we kinda keep the audience a little bit at hand's length when it comes to like the home stuff. And I think that's really healthy. Mm-hmm. Um and it's also a kind of a sanctuary for me, like if I'm having, you know, a rough day at work or that the videos aren't popping or you know, something goes wrong, like I can go back to my house and retreat a little bit. So she helps keep things very balanced. Um she likes playing a supportive role. She's actually leaving her job to come work for the company.
0: No way. Yes.
1: She has a great job. Yeah. I mean, great job doing tech sales um for a SaaS company in Seattle. And she's like I just know I can grow your business. Like she goes, I, she says, I don't know how I'm gonna do it yet, but I just know exactly what we need to do to make your business like 10X. Yeah, And I'm like, okay, I'm glad you do, because <laughs> I don't. So, you know, hiring, hiring smart people and then letting them tell you what needs to happen has mm-hmm. always been a mantra of mine. Like, I don't know everything. Yeah, like, I know very little actually, um, but I'm pretty good at finding great talent and then saying, all right, how do we run this? Like, what's yeah. the playbook? Mm -hmm. you know and if their playbook doesn't work then you pivot but more often than not especially with these like young talented people we're talking about yeah my wife's 29 this month and she's just she can do marketing she can do sales she's a a person that can actually get shit done Mm -hmm. you know and i'm kind of up in the clouds like with ideas but like she's she's going to bring a lot to the business
0: that's amazing that's my philosophy too as someone who is recognized as you know, I, I people perceive me as being able to do a lot, but it's just being around people yeah. way smarter than me. And I
1: feel like <laughs>
0: it's helped me be successful. I
1: think, I think every, every good business or every good, you know, entity needs a dreamer mm-hmm. and somebody with their head in the clouds. And especially me with my brain just bouncing like a ping pong ball in a fishbowl. Yeah. Uh, someone needs to wrangle that and mm-hmm. channel it. Yeah. And, and that's where my team comes in. Ryan is just so freaking steady. Yeah. You know, when it comes to creating content, he gets the projects done. Mm-hmm. He makes sure the content gets delivered on time, high quality, every time. And Tiana is probably the best at wrangling me. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> hey, don't forget you've got to do this. And then, you know, my, you know, my, my brain just bouncing around. I, I have ideas all all the time of where we could take the content, where we could create new revenue streams, other brand deals that we could be doing. And so I kind of just like pitch those to my team and then let them run with it.
0: Yeah. You need tethers back to
1: earth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Me too. I'm the same way. Um, So I'm really interested in what you just said, but before I lose it, I want to ask you about your fans and when you were racing. Um, Because your fans were so important to you, did that ever add any external pressure to race well or to perform well and how did you cope with that fits in yeah
1: especially especially when I was young like when I first turned pro mm-hmm. I was the d3 kid remember like yep. I didn't go to a d1 school yeah so when I turned pro it was like the first time a d3 kid was like on um, ranked number one in the US I mean not the first time but like it doesn't happen very often so I felt like I had all of division three athletics, watching me Mm -hmm. you know with their hopes and dreams for a d3 kid to make an olympic team and that was a lot of pressure yeah um then i made the olympic team and you know found some consistency winning us titles and i would say that you know halfway through my career i wanted to put on a show for them, but i i knew that what they wanted to see were titles and medals and as a runner, you can only be on for a few weeks out of the year, and so I kind of like cultivated this "be patient" mantra for myself and a "be patient" mantra for the fans. Of when it comes time to really perform well on the biggest stage, that's when you can count on me. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I won five, six U.S. titles outdoors, made every every team I ever tried out for, um, was pretty consistent at making the global finals, and won a medal. And so, I think I did well at overperforming when it counted mm-hmm. but i laid a lot of bad races out there yeah as a result of not being fit in april not being sharp in may really focusing on the end of the season so my fans were always there for me they were like oh he's gonna do it again just yeah. wait just wait till championship season but the detractors were always like he's too old he's done he's yeah. done you know and so you use both of those to kind of get you through a season
0: yeah so like a chip on your shoulder while also wanting like, to put on a show for your support exactly
1: yeah. i mean and it was really for me. Some people only train for the haters and I think that's kind of unhealthy, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to prove you guys wrong. And some people only train for the fans, healthier, but still maybe not the same motivation that you have. So I always kind of channeled my, my fury from both groups, like one, I'm going to definitely prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. And two, it's going to feel so good when we accomplish this together, you know, and that helped me a lot through a 12 year pro career.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Um, Why weren't you ever fit in April and May?
1: So fit is very relative in the world of running and track and field. I was fit and actually ran my best miles in April and May, Mm -hmm. but we, you know, as track and field athletes that were peaking for August or September, Mm -hmm. I would come down from altitude at the end of April. So in some ways I was the fittest. I was going to be all year from an endurance standpoint, but no sharpness and the 800 is this perfect balance where you have to be really Mm -hmm. strong. But also really fast. Yeah. And you can't maintain that speed for four to six months. So I'd come down from altitude May 1st, hit a mile, you know, usually sub four miles somewhere. Mm -hmm. Then I'd say, all right, check that box. Now it's time to start transitioning to speed specific intervals, start adding a little speed and slowly building, you know, those race specific horrible workouts that you have to do to be an 800 meter runner and ultimately sharpen up just at the right time mm-hmm. to hit championship season.
0: I was an 800 meter specialist. Well, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I never went pro, but I was like a high school phenom. It's a um, great race. Yeah, I ran a 207 in high school and nice. never did anything <laughs> close again. <laughs>
1: well, I think... <laughs> Running on grade 800 in high school is one thing. Yeah. And running a grade 800 in college is another thing. At the pro level, I was doing 70 miles a week as a half miler. Yeah. You know, like, I would do 14 mile long runs every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And people are like, but you only run two laps. I'm like, you don't understand the 800 at that level. Yeah. You have to be able to hammer a half marathon every weekend but still show up on Tuesday to run 22
0: second 200s. And
1: that's the kind of athlete that I was for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's just always ready to like always just a few months away from being ready to go.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's super impressive. What gets me about the 800 is just in such a short race, you have to have so many different gears. And that's why I think I wasn't successful, um, a lot among a lot of other reasons, but I was the type of runner I'd go out first Mm. and hang on for dear life. Yeah. And if you uh, don't have
1: the, like, explosive yeah. last gear or the ability to change gears really fast, it's, only, it's the only thing you can do.
0: Yeah, you have to be able to And see, gears. I didn't have the
1: ability to go out fast. Like, yeah. my 47, 400 PR was, like, the slowest in the race by two seconds oftentimes. Wow. But I could change gears faster than anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, if a move was made, me and whoever made the move, or me if I made the move first, I had two, three yards on everybody instantly. Yeah. So I could hit... The accelerator and have instant torque, but I didn't have the best top end gear. Like yeah,
0: I so. was just like, I got to risk it for the biscuit because <laughs> I have no kick. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, well, good. You found distance running, like, long distance running, <laughs> very is
0: long you. distance running. Yeah. Um, so you know, a lot has changed in how runners interact with their fans now, and in brand relationships yeah. with the growth of social media yeah. in the last ten years. How were you able to uh, curate such a loyal fan base? When when social media just started. You
1: know? I mean, I remember my first social media account. Yeah, you're too young. Yeah. So this will date me real quick. The first social media account I had was a Facebook account when you still had to have a .edu address to get a Facebook account. Mm-hmm. I remember my junior year, these sorority girls running around from house to house collecting signatures so that... Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg would allow Willamette University onto the platform. Mm -hmm. Like that's how old this was. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so stupid. Like we're just poking people and like sending little notifications. And then Twitter came around and I thought that was kind of cool just to like, you know, interact with celebrities and Mm -hmm. other people. And then uh, that faded out and Instagram popped up. And through all of these rise of these different social media companies, it, it hit me probably... Right around like 2010 to 2012, mm-hmm. where I could tell that the people who were getting paid the best had this like great following online. Yeah. You know, like Lolo Jones is a great example. Mm-hmm. Lolo never won a global gold medal. Maybe she won indoors, but she didn't win an outdoor medal. Um, but she was getting these huge contracts. Yeah. Because she was so good on social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I know I'm never going to be the best 800 meter runner. But I could be the most entertaining 800 meter runner. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, I'm I'm gonna try to be the most entertaining, most accessible pro male runner that there is, and that will get me better contracts. Mm-hmm. And I think to a certain extent it, it did. Like you have to deliver on you know the priority number one, which is running well. And I was able to do that. But then you know after my morning session, while I'm just sitting there on the couch, I'm DMing people, responding to DMs. Yeah. I'm uh, answering their questions on Instagram. I'm like, I'm like, I wouldn't call it c- creating content cause it wasn't really a thing at the time, but I'm like, I'm just going to be accessible, you know, yeah. that's going to set me apart. And so that built this like really loyal community of people that, you know, wanted to cheer me on during races and wanted to buy the shoes that I was wearing, mm-hmm. you know, and Brooks recognized that really early. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Brooks when Nike still just wanted to use, you know, the, biggest names in sport and and the hot young athletes coming out of college. Brooks was like, Nick's getting way more eyeballs than those (laughs) kids. So we'll come on over. And I trained with Brooks for four years and it was awesome. But, you know, Brooks really like empowered me to be the best content creator. And again, we still weren't using that term at the time. It was influencer, but they're like, Hey, go influence people and get them to buy Brooks shoes. And I'm like, okay, I can do that.
0: Did you have different incentives to, cause I, even since I've been, uh gone pro, it's my contracts have changed mm-hmm. a little
1: bit, and I've know. seen these new contracts. Yeah. I, would, I would have dreaded these contracts as a pro runner.
0: Really? I mean, I my I, mine's not too bad. I don't have any explicit requests yeah. for social media, but yeah. there's an expectation there for sure, and it's oh, yeah. not nec- it's not a written expectation. And
1: I'm well, lucky. some of them are. Yeah. They're like you need to be posting this amount of time per month. You need to be doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, as a content creator, those are the contracts I get now. Yeah, it's like we want X, Y, and Z out of you, and we will pay you, you know, this much for that.
0: Why would a younger you have dreaded that then,
1: not necessarily younger, but somebody whose prior mm-hmm. prim, primary focus was running. Well, mm-hmm. it was important to me as a runner that at any point I could shove everything to the side and say, "Leave me alone! I need to train right now." Yeah, you know, so I didn't have any other businesses really. Um, I didn't like contracts with like really weird deliverables or like contracts where they could like demand that I come, you know, be on site for a little while. I was like. Hey, if, if things aren't going well and I need to peace out to Mexico for two months to train, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And the way that the contracts are written right now, it's it's a little harder to be able to do that, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: It is. And there, I think the expectation on the athlete is much higher. Much higher. And right. I, you know, here I am considered a full-time pro yeah. and I do so much more. And I do think it takes away from my training and something that I'm, I'm trying to get better at is what you said. I'm yeah. um, just... And especially as... Every, but it's
1: cyclical, right? There's exactly. off-season and there's base buildings where you're like, oh, I kind of want to be doing something else. But mm-hmm. then there's like, go time, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't want anyone to call me. I don't want I anyone know. to text me. And I mean, MVP. I would shut my phone off for a week around championship races. Yeah. I'm like, don't bother me. I have, I have stuff to do. I know. You Good know?
0: for you. Did yeah. that affect your relationships at all with oh, brands? Oh, I didn't have relationships. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no, with brands.
1: No, no. Back then, oh, yeah. they understood because oh, okay. they were like, oh, oh, this is... This His is good time. time. And they liked, I think they liked seeing that. Mm-hmm. They're like, Nick's kind of a spaz case over here, <laughs> but when it counts, he can actually focus for one week. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as relationships, I didn't have a lot of relationships serious relationships yeah. as a pro runner I just couldn't because oh, yeah. again I'm like hey I know you want to spend time together but I'm going to Australia for a couple months mm-hmm. I'll see you didn't work real well
0: yeah were you able to find uh, good training partners in Australia and Mexico
1: yeah so usually the way these training camps would work is you'd kind of find somebody that you wanted to train with mm-hmm. and then just you know piggyback on their trip or set something up together so like Leo Manzano had a training base down in central Mexico Uh, in San Luis Potosi. And he was always talking to me like, hey, I know you love Mexico. You've trained in Mexico before. Come train at my camp. And so I'd go with Leo Manzano and train with him for a couple months. Or my good friend from Australia, who was the Australian national champion, Lucky Renshaw. He's like, oh, you know, come down and run our circuit in the winter. So as you're training and touring with these people, you'd be talking about where, you know, you'd want to spend the next winter. And then you just kind of pair up. So it it was always kind of like 50% where do I want to go? 50% where, who can I train with? And 50% what can I afford? Mm -hmm. You know, like Australia isn't cheap.
0: Yeah. 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 I I go into Hawaii for the winter. I'm like, it's tough to find people to train with in these spots and you know, iron sharpens iron. I need someone a little faster than me.
1: I I didn't really start doing that, that travel until later in my career. So Mm -hmm. at that point I was number one in the U S and like top five in the world. So I could call up people and Mm -hmm. be like, Hey, come train. And they would jump at the opportunity. And sometimes I, you know, could supplement their, their tickets or something if yeah. I needed to. But, uh, OTC was great. OTC elite, mm-hmm. um, the team I ran for for a long time, they'd supplement people and send Tyler Mulder with me or, you know, send somebody to train with me. Um, Brooks did the same thing. So yeah, it worked that's out. Huge. Yeah.
0: We're trying to get my, I'm with Brooks now and I'm trying to get my manager to sponsor a, a couple athletes to come train and live with me for That'd a few be awesome. months. So we can do like, you know, yeah. and that's what's lacking and, um, trail is the, that team atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and we really need to, well, there's that. a lot
1: fewer of you, no offense. It's great, no, it's, but there's right. hard, it's hard to find somebody at that level. Whereas there's a whole lot of women that want to be great at hundred meter runners, mm-hmm. you know, and you can just recruit from college or exactly. But at your level and in your niche, there's, you know, there's not a lot of people that can keep up with you. I know,
0: luckily I think it's training because yeah. there's a lot of crossover in the marathon, um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I have a lot of incentives in my contract to run a fast marathon still. Yeah. You know, have you I, one? yeah, I ran a two forty three in 20, uh, 18, good. but I crewed a fifty miler the oh, day wow. before, so it was like yeah. sixteen hours on foot, and yeah. I didn't train. So I, I would really like to run like in the low two thirties. I think that's
1: very doable. Yeah, what's I, the trials qualifier?
0: I think now A standards like two thirty seven. I can crush
1: a, that. Run. Yeah, well, I, I would really like ball. to.
0: It'd yeah. be super fun. And two forty three qualified me for B. Okay, Um, but I didn't go in Atlanta in twenty twenty, but yeah. Um, hopefully I can get a lot of people to train and that crossover with trail and marathon, I think is just makes better trail runners. Honestly, I
1: think trail runners should be training for road races and I think road runners should be training for trail races. It was always weird to me. These, uh, brands would be like, Hey, we want to work with you, but we want to know, um, can you run on trails? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I do it every single day. I know they really thought like, well, he's a track runner. So he does all of his miles on the track Yeah. or like you're a road runner so you can never run on the trails I'm like guys we're we're trying to get 10 to 20 miles in a day we'll run on anything yeah <laughs> and know? I think
0: I think you're actually wrong and for a lot of other track and road athletes I think they're so afraid to get hurt you think on so? trails I, yeah
1: I know those athletes yeah I'm, I know those athletes I'm the eagle scout from Boise, Idaho yeah. spent all day on the trails like <laughs> I maybe am a, am a little different I know some athletes that will only do their mileage on treadmills oh
0: my god and I'm like so crazy. oh just kill me first. Seriously. (laughs) I couldn't do it. Yeah, I
1: couldn't do it. But you're absolutely right. There are a lot of athletes out there that like are intimidated by running through single track in the Colorado Rockies.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And even if if,
1: if you're not, you know, it'll make you a little stronger. Like you have stabilizer muscles that you haven't been using that you should be using.
0: Exactly. I was just going to say, it's going to highlight your weaknesses. And I think trail running makes for a really strong athlete. You know, I ran that marathon Only on trail miles. You know, I was running like one road workout a week. Yeah,
1: I think that's, I think a trail runner translates to the road better than a road runner translates to the trail for sure. Yeah. But they're both, they both have their time and place because a road runner is going to be able to hit pace way better than a trail runner mm -hmm. can, you
0: know, and
1: and understanding pace is so important.
0: Exactly. Especially if
1: you want to run that marathon.
0: And that marathon, but even in the hundred mile distance, you know, the going off perceived effort is so important because... We're pushing limits at what, how fast you can do 100 miles. Like in my, I ran 100K a few years ago, and I had, in you know, 1835K at the end of it. You know, we're pushing exactly what we can do, and to do that, you really have to be familiar with what that pace feels like. Um, But I also think that just getting that turnover in um, for marathon training which is funny coming, you know, saying that for a an turnover, anger. you get yeah. to that speed, know, you know, yeah.
1: I'm like, but, um, <laughs> I think our definition of speed could is be a sunny. little bit, different. but the periodization is the same the, exactly. the mentality behind when you start drip feeding that speed in and how you start tapering for a race. The same but
0: I day. think tur- like having quick turnover on the roads and the track translates really well to trails because mm-hmm. you have to be dynamic and you have to be able to react quickly to yeah obstacles in the trail and you can only do that with yeah. fast turnover that makes sense it makes you know my when i've been my fastest and sharpest i've been the best at technical downhills mm. um which i think is really interesting and yeah. counter to what i think a lot of track athletes might think
1: no we're just like breaking the whole I know, time i know i know then my knees hurt <laughs> yeah you gotta like, send it you can have it you can have it
0: <laughs> yeah so you know i have this written down here and i think it's so interesting after getting to know you a little bit better in this last half an hour or so i i said, pro-athlete, arrow, rest, star, chaotic lifestyle. <laughs> and I think what I'm trying to ask here is like, you clearly have this crazy chaotic lifestyle. You're being pulled in all these different directions and you have a ton of passions. How did that translate to being this great 800 runner? And how does it translate into your passions now? How yeah. do you channel that chaos yeah. to be really successful.
1: I think I was a good 800 meter runner and I could have been a great 800 meter runner with more focus, mm-hmm. but that's just not who I am. Like, yeah. you know, I remember like telling my coach, Hey, you just need to understand that every Friday I'm going to go fishing and I'm sorry. That's yeah. well, just the way it is. Like if I don't have that, then why am I doing any of this? Mm-hmm. You know, cause fishing what it was and it still is kind of like my religion, just like getting out, getting away, pressing the reset button, being in nature. And you know, I, I, I would do a lot of stuff that probably the typical pro runner doesn't do or that you wouldn't think they do. <laughs> but you know, I didn't touch alcohol from Sunday through Friday night, but I drank a lot on Saturday <laughs> nights. And again, that was just about longevity and saying, I'm just so stressed out through the whole week, but I can't drink alcohol because I have a workout tomorrow morning and I need to stay lean and, and the, kind of the, the neuroses that comes with training at that level. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well one day a week, I'm not a runner. Saturday, I'm going to do my workout, then I'm going to go home and eat whatever I want, and I'm going to drink a 12-pack of beer, and I'm going to be a kid. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it cost me a little bit in performance. There's no doubt about Mm -hmm. that. But what I got back was longevity. Yeah. I loved my career, and I was able to do it for 12 years because... If Friday night all my friends are going out, I'm like, well, I don't have to give that up forever. I just got to give it up for 24 more hours. Mm-hmm. So I was able to always kind of find this balance between being a, being a kid still and and doing all the things I wanted to do, but still training really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I think I probably could have run a little bit faster, let maybe say a quarter second faster than the eight, maybe a half second faster. Yeah. And maybe I win a big medal because of it, but I probably flame out really, really quickly because. I can't do that kind of focus. Yeah. Know?
0: And I was going to say, I I might disagree because having been someone who's tried to just beat the yeah. my chaotic nature out of me, yeah, I did not run well because I was... A lot of people don't. Exactly. No, you got to have the
1: balance still. And you, so I don't play the what if game. Like, oh, yeah. what if I'd been a little bit more focused, you know, in these years? Probably what would have happened was I would have burned out. Yeah. So um, I think there's that. Now it's a, it's a little bit better because... I just kind of can focus where I want to focus my energy. I think my biggest downfall now is that uh, I'm motivated by having a good time and doing what I want to do. And sometimes the way my chaotic life is, is like, oh my gosh, I need to focus on YouTube right now. No, wait, I need to focus on my training. No, wait, what about Run Gum? Oh, my my relationship with my wife. So like, I'm kind of like bouncing, bouncing, bouncing and it. It, it prevents me from being really great at any one thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so now as I get a little bit older and recognize this about myself, it's like, okay, how do I minimize all the things that aren't absolutely essential to what's going to be great for me and my family in the next five or 10 years? Like, what yeah. are the things that I don't need to focus on right now? Run gum is a good example. I was the CEO of that company for eight years and it took a lot of time and energy from me. And I recognized that I could be a really great CEO, but it was going to cost me in a lot of other areas. And so I went to our board and our advisors and our investors. I said, I, I think we should hire a CEO. Like it's very rare that mm-hmm. a founder CEO like tells the board he wants to hire his replacement yeah. or her replacement. Typically, they're kind of kicked out. Yeah. I was like, we can get someone in this spot that's way better than I am and allow me to go focus on being a great content creator. Which and will so, only help run gum. And that's what I thought. And yeah. that's what they agreed. Mm-hmm. I think they, they they knew that I was in over my head at that point anyway. Yeah. So it was all good. <laughs> like, but oh. but now I'm trying to do that even more. It's like, okay, so right now the two most important things in my life are my family and YouTube. How do I just minimize everything else that is not family and YouTube? Mm-hmm. And now I'm actually going to marry the two together because my wife's coming to work for the YouTube channel. So that's like, so awesome. I, I think it's going to be really awesome. I think that everything I do moving forward needs to be just... Pushing things aside and focusing on the things that are absolutely critical. And typically the people that have the most success are able to do that. I'm just not, I'm not good at it. So I have to really force myself and, and surround yeah. myself with people that, Nick, come on over here. You still need yeah. to do this.
0: And so you're still finding, you you and your wife are still finding a role for her.
1: And... We know what her role is going to be. It's its mainly short form content. Like mm-hmm. I, I love long form content. Like let's go make a 20 minute video. Yeah. Let's make it the best 20 minute video we can make. This new form of content, and I'm going to blame TikTok, who then you know Instagram Reels copied and Facebook Reels copied, and and everybody's copying short form content, YouTube Shorts. I don't get it. I don't yeah. like to consume it. I don't like to create it. But you have to have it. And so T's going to come on and lead up our short form content side of things. Cool. She's going to be making Reels. She's going to be making YouTube Shorts, TikTok, um, and then probably the most critical part of her job is helping me with the nick simmons fit app so i have my own app i publish all my training there and right now it's kind of like bare bones of what my training is and i'm like let's really go all in on showing people what my training is really like Mm -hmm. every single workout i do explain why i do it what it is, how they can modify it, how they can make it their own, how they can have fun with fitness. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the, like, probably the centerpiece of her responsibility.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, Nick what is your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, what are you training for right now?
1: Uh, just to be, uh, not in pain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to like scare all your younger audiences. Not that bad. No, but like, no. if you don't move, you know, what is it, uh, if you, to rest is to rust, mm-hmm. if you're not moving every day, you're going to, it's going to hurt. You know, yeah. if I go and do a CrossFit class Monday through Friday, and I don't know that CrossFit's for everybody, but it's a very fun workout. Mm-hmm. So I do a CrossFit class Monday through Friday on Saturdays. I deadlift. Um, cause I'm training for kind of this deadlift goal. We can talk about more and then Sundays I go for a long walk. So I'm working out seven days a week. Um, but if I don't move and on like, it'll be really noticeable at the end of the day. If I don't work out that day, everything just hurts my back hurts my knees hurt my shoulders hurt yeah but if I do a workout I kind of feel pretty good all day yeah you know? I'm the
0: same way and let me tell you so I had like so many anti-strength coaches in my career and, really um yeah starting in high school you know to uh, my collegiate career and beyond um and I feel so much better I just started weightlifting yeah. like my back pain is gone. I always say.
1: Every athlete training for any distance needs weightlifting. Yeah. It will make you a better runner. It'll make you a happier runner. It'll make you a stronger runner. And everyone's like, I don't want to bulk up. I don't want to bulk up. I'm like, "I know. (laughs) you're not going to bulk up just by lifting a weight. You're going to have to consume a lot of calories. You're going to have to cut your miles way back. Just lifting a weight will not inherently bulk you up. Yeah. And it
0: also sucks to feel weak all the time as a runner. I like would be so embarrassed having such a hard time carrying my groceries. in. I'd be like, damn it. (laughs) No, it's (laughs) true. I I think
1: it's great that you've added that in. I think it'll make you a better distance runner for sure. We saw that with Sally Kipiego. Mm-hmm. She came over from Kenya, couldn't do one push up. And by the end of her OTC career, she was, you know, doing pull ups and push ups and yeah. lifting heavy weights. And it was amazing to watch her career just go through the roof, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I'm loosely training to deadlift 500 pounds straight into a sub five minute mile. Mm-hmm. This was when I retired. Wow. I was like, I would love to marry my two favorite things, lifting and running together. And Ryan Hall kind of like, put a bug in my ear. He's like, you should train to do a 500 pound deadlift and go straight into a sub five minute mile. I'm like, okay, this was three years ago and I couldn't deadlift more than like 300 pounds, Mm -hmm. but my mile was still like 430. So now over the last two and a half years of bulking up and doing deadlift, I can deadlift 495 pounds, but my miles at 530. So it's this weird balance of two totally different systems. And I think about a month of altitude training, I could put them together and pull it off.
0: Yeah. So, and so cool because your wife will be able to travel with you. Yeah. So we may go to, the f- content. we're actually
1: talking right now about April, going back to Flagstaff, mm-hmm. maybe train with Ryan, train with some of the pro runners, an all in month at altitude where I'm still lifting heavy, but I'm like cranking intervals at the same time. <laughs> then I come down from that and I take my official attempt. And then I put this thing to bed because I've been training for this for Two and a half years. So I'd yeah. love to be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Move on to the next goal. Yeah.
0: Um, what was your last attempt?
1: Uh, I actually set up 500 pounds at the track and mm-hmm. had a whole crowd come out. I'm like, I'm going to need adrenaline. I'm going to need you guys cheering for me. And I went to pull it and I couldn't lift it up.
0: So, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was very embarrassing. We're actually <laughs>
1: dropping a YouTube video on December 16th showing that scene. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. I was like, this is a great story. Uh, I kind of like hung my head in my hands and I was like, well, I guess I'll go back to training and That's I'm so just funny. finishing up another 12 week build of deadlift. And I would be shocked if I don't pull 500 pounds next week. Cool. So, yeah. yeah. Knock on wood. I need this one. <laughs> yeah.
0: We'll be rooting for you. Yeah, you have I mean, to I let me know. 30
1: pounds of muscle to be able to do that, which is something I always wanted to see if I could do. Mm-hmm. And with enough weightlifting and enough eating and zero running, I did it. But then I can't run a 445 mile this heavy. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, how much weight can I lose and still be able to pull 500? It's a neat physiologic challenge. Yeah. And like,
0: uh, keeping that weight on the certain amount while at altitude and training. It's going to be, really gonna be hard. so hard. Yeah. Altitude, like it's, it's really hard to stay fueled. Well, that's
1: why I'd always go, we'd go for the entire month of April, but mm-hmm. I would go up weighing about 167. And come down 159 Mm -hmm. and not and that and just gorging myself with food it would just melt off me yeah
0: yeah me too i i think the best thing for me right now is going to sea level to do my training in the in the winter because i can't keep weight on and i i feel like i'm just i've troubled
1: iron and blah 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 all the i think you know there's there's some athletes that can live and train at high altitude year-round and Congratulations! that you can do that? I, I I wasn't that guy, but I got so much benefit out of four to six weeks, mm-hmm. once a year, twice a year. Yeah, it was like, let me go up, do my work, and then come back down and breathe this awesome. Yeah, C-level and then you air. just
0: appreciate what it feels exactly. like to be down here. Yeah. Um. So in 2017, um, I think we're you know we're at kind of a cool point right now. It's been five years since you've retired. You've been doing the YouTube stuff for five years. Um, and we've talked a lot about you know the next five years. Um, In 2017, where did you see yourself in five
1: years? Uh, I thought RunGum would become a $100 million company and we'd sell it and I'd go do something else and it didn't happen. I think the pandemic kind of really kicked us in the knees a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, I think my distractions, I mean, they're a good distraction, they were good for the company, but like being focused so much on a content creator. While it was good for brand building, it totally took away from my ability to lead the team. You mm-hmm. know, so that's an example of like just me trying to do too much. Um, but I would say, like, I was so passionate about the community. I knew we'd have a big community in some way. I didn't know whether like Run Gum was going to have this huge community around it, and I would lead the run gum community as the leader of run gum or whether Nick Simmons LLC and my content creation business would take off and I'd have the community there. But I knew that the most important thing to me was that the fans would continue to follow what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I just needed that. I need the fans and uh, I love entertaining them. I love interacting with them right after this, I'll go to TRE and I'm so excited just (laughs) to like sign autographs and take pictures. I'm not selling anything this time. I just, there. To be with the community that I love, mm-hmm. um, so I think that that was really important. Moving forward, um, there's a famous saying that human beings overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in ten. And I think about that constantly. I'm like, all right, I'm you know 365 days away from turning 40, and I guarantee I'm gonna you know overestimate what I can get done in a year. But what could I get done in 10? Like yeah. when I'm 50 you know, and I go back and listen to this podcast, what could I get done in 10 years? And in invariably every human underestimates what they can accomplish. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to really focus on dreaming big, bigger, bigger. What could I do with, you know, unlimited funds? What could I do with unlimited energy and people? And you know, this community that continues to support us, what could we do in 10 years? And it's like super scary to think about if you really push yourself, but that's probably where you need to be. Um, Just like any athlete, you want to be in that position of like on the edge. Like I'm really trying to go push my training, push my goals, push my competition. Like I want to be on that edge where I'm scared to like fail. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at in, my, in what I want to do in my forties. Yeah. But I need a lot of people to help out. Like we're going to have my wife and I would like to have kids, you know? So mm-hmm. we're having conversations of like, well, we need support. You know, what does that look like? Is that being closer to family? Is that, um, bringing more employees on? Is that having a, you know, a nanny that takes care of our kids and the and the kids of all the employees, you know, because all of our employees are, are thinking about having family. So there's a lot of strategy that has to go in it. I'm glad I don't have to come up with it on my own necessarily. Yeah. But uh,
0: can I tell you if you had daycare at your company, that, that would wouldn't be that be the
1: greatest perk ever? That would. And be... do you know how affordable it is?
0: No, I have no. Oh co- my <laughs> god!
1: I mean, I'm pricing it out. <laughs> yeah, you can get a full time like tutor, like a a with a masters in education. To come run your facility for like 45 to 60K a year. Oh my gosh. I I'm think, like, that's insane. And, and it's the greatest perk you could ever offer. And Why don't more companies do this?
0: People who look up to you will see it on yeah. YouTube, see that it's successful, see that you were able to grow your yeah. business. And I was just telling Carson this, um, as we're trying to grow our business and with the podcast and with a bunch of other projects we have. And we're like, you you got to spend money to make money. And yeah. that's super scary. But yeah. I think people are just so tight that they're like, oh, oh no I'm the worst. care. Yeah. yeah, I'm the worst.
1: <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think you, you nailed it that you have to spend money to make money. But a lot of times people don't know where to spend it. Yeah. But I'm like, if, if employee retention is really important to me, then, and, and, and also not just employee retention, but having them focused on when they're at work, yeah. then having on-site daycare so that, you know, one, it's a great perk, but two, they don't have to be thinking about, mm-hmm. well, i got to pick up the kid or i got to do this or that. I think it'd be great for me. It'd be great for them. So I think that's probably something that we'll definitely offer.
0: And something that we talk about a lot is that time is our most valuable asset. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's everything. And so if we can spend a little bit of money to sink time into yeah. what we're trying to grow, and its brain power, it and it's brain power, yeah, yeah. It's brain
1: power for sure. Because I'm always thinking like ten different things I have to take care of, and if I can take one of those things off, that's a huge, great use mm-hmm. of resources for my team too. Yeah, like I don't want you know Ryan when he and his wife decide to have kids, I don't want him thinking. Oh gosh, I got to worry about X, Y, and Z at home. Mm-hmm. I want him thinking like, at least I know the kids are covered right now yeah. and I can focus on making sure we have the best content coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it'd be good use of, of, of funds, but yeah. we're not, none, none of us are there yet. My mm-hmm. employees are all very young. Uh, I'm not young, but my wife's pretty young. And she said like, I'll be ready in a year. So I, I yeah. told her like the ship of me being a young father has sailed. So whenever <laughs> you're ready, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You guys should all have kids around the same time. So not only yeah, exactly. is it a, yeah. a daycare, but a,
1: friends to play with,
0: friends and, to play with. Yeah. You can all educate the same level, yeah, you know, exactly. um, can we hear one of those big, scary goals?
1: Oh, uh, let's see. Um, so you ever see Rob Dyrdek's fantasy factory on MTV? You might be too young. No,
0: I have, seen it, you have yeah. seen it. When I
1: was, when I was a kid and watching Rob Dyrdek's fantasy factory, I'm like, that's it. That's what I want. Yeah. That's, that's what I want. At some point in my life, I want a giant warehouse full of all the coolest stuff and I don't know how to get it. But now I'm actually at a point where like essentially what we do every day on our YouTube channel is like miniature fantasy factory stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what if we had the revenue to build out like a 20 to 30,000 square foot facility where we shot our YouTube videos, but all of these million plus subscribers we have could come and hang out with us and play on all the stuff we're using in the videos. Yeah. That's what I'd love to do. I out.
0: smile because I feel like that's Carson's dream too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. every young man's dream oh, to I have know. like a fantasy factory. <laughs> to have, but um,
1: for me with like, uh, let's say called a million dollar build out. Mm-hmm. I would just sit there lonely and bored. But yeah. now if I can invite a million subscribers to come play with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I sound like a, a a <laughs> child, like a child, a 39 year old man child who just wants to have... A half pipe and have kids come skate with me. Like, that's all I want. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Have all your best friends, a million plus. Or, like,
1: I went out and visited uh, one of my best friends in Cleveland. And he's got uh, a couple little girls. I think they're, like, six and eight. And they have big cousins who are, like, 10 and 13. Mm -hmm. And these kids, you'd think, like, Brad Pitt walked in the door. They're, (laughs) like, oh, my God, it's the YouTuber. (laughs) I just loved that these 10 and 12-year-olds like loved hanging out with me and wanted to play in the pool, you know, yeah. and like do cool stuff. Like, I don't know. I'm a kid at heart and I just, uh, you know, I want to inspire the next generation to find a love for fitness. Yeah. And again, it can be anything. And I tell these kids that, you know, a lot of kids will DM me and say, you know, I, like, hey, I've always wanted to be fit, but I'm overweight and I, I don't like team sports and maybe fitness isn't for me. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. You just haven't found what's right for you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you need to go try it. Competitive bike riding. And if you hate that, go out and and try, you know, speed walking. And if you hate that, try yoga. And if you hate that, try swimming. And if you hate that, there's a hundred different ways to find a love for fitness. And everyone's different. Like, I love fitness probably more than anyone you'll ever meet. (laughs) But if you ask me to go to a Pilates class... I'd just be like, that's not happening. I'm sorry, (laughs) nothing against Pilates, because I'm sure there are people out there who love their Pilates class. Mm -hmm. Uh, Similarly, we were talking earlier about treadmills, you know, and people who do all their miles on treadmills. If you said, Nick, you can only run on a treadmill, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And and there are times when I run on a treadmill because, you know, I need to dial in pace or it's icy outside. There's definitely Mm -hmm. a place for that. But like, my wife only wants to run on a treadmill. Yeah. She hates running outside. Why? I don't know. That's crazy. I know it's crazy yeah. to me, but to each their own. Yeah. right? And so when I, when I get these messages from these kids, you know, I just say one, you clearly are onto something like you want to be fit. That's step one, mm-hmm. like choosing, choosing to want to find a love for fitness is step one. And then it's just about trial and error sample a hundred different types of workouts yeah. until you find something that you just get so excited about. It's the best part of your day. Mm-hmm. I was in my CrossFit gym the other day and, uh. There's some people at the CrossFit gym that you can tell don't love CrossFit, but they feel like kind of obligated to get their workout in. Mm -hmm. And... They were like, "Oh, thank God this is over. I can finally get my day started." I'm like, "This is the best part of the day. <laughs> yeah. This one hour that we get to be here with no distractions and working out and like being part of this little community that is Treeline CrossFit. I'm like that's the best hour." And I just want everybody to find something that they look forward to the way I look mm-hmm. forward to my CrossFit classes. Like it's the highlight of their day.
0: Yeah. You know? I'm so interested that you didn't like Training and that you didn't like the process. No, but I, it's probably that you didn't like having to be so regimented.
1: Uh, that's part of it, yeah. and I, I definitely learned to love it towards the end of my career, where I could tell like this isn't going to last much longer. Like try to really yeah. savor it. Um, but middle distance running <laughs> it is really it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, and like I think the thing for me was, you know, if I could have supplemented it with more biking and swimming, maybe I'd have enjoyed it more. But you can't. You gotta <laughs> yeah. get the miles in. Yeah. And, I remember days where I'd just be so tired and so beat up and I'd say, I went to school for four years so I wouldn't have to do manual labor. And that's all I do. I'd be screaming yeah. at, at my coach. I'm like, all I do is manual labor all day. And he'd just like slap me upside the head and go, go do your miles.
0: Yeah. It sounds like your coach was <coughs> a great sport. He was awesome. He'd
1: let me whine and then he'd be like, are you done? Yeah. And I'm like, yes. He's
0: <laughs> like, now it. go run.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, let me know if this is too intrusive, but yeah, i was so ask anything. curious because I love, um, you know, the growth of partnerships, especially, uh, you know, family. Yeah. What are your wives? What, what's your wife thinking her 10 year goal is like if she was. Wow. I'm gonna um, really well, have big. to speak
1: for her, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Do it. we talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think she's 29 and she's really excited to become a mom. So, mm-hmm. uh, it obviously is going to center around kids and mm-hmm. what can we do to make sure that they have the best life possible. Yeah. Not necessarily like the, we're really, we're really worried about raising spoiled brats. Yeah. I'll say that because she grew up in Issaquah, Washington, Issaquah, Washington, surrounded by money. And I came through the Catholic school system in Idaho. So there was a lot of money around. Mm-hmm. And, um, I am a really simple guy. I drive a seven year old pickup truck. I, I've never bought clothes. Like I just wear whatever I can get yeah. donated or find. Um, so like we're we're pretty simple in that sense, but we really want to have kind of, you know, the family nearby and and a couple kids. And I think that she's a really ambitious person um in terms of like feeling accomplished. Like she wants to create something. So instead of, you know, creating a business for somebody else and, and watching that business, you know, grow for somebody else, now she gets to move into a scenario where she's really part of the family business Mm -hmm. and creating things for the family business. She said the other day, I'm just so excited that I can control my destiny for the first time in my life. Yeah, She's like, for so long, it was like, I'm helping this person build this business or helping this person build this business. She's like, I'm helping my family build the family business now. And she's just super excited about it. So I'm like, go, go, (laughs) whatever you need, let me know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's so special. I, I love working, you know, uh, Carson, um, basically changed his whole career to come What was in. your career?
1: It was, uh, I worked in natural resources okay. doing like wildfire mitigation oh, cool. and I was heading towards like firefighting. Yeah. Very cool. What okay. part of the country? Hawaii. Nice.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where we both grew up. Um, and if, if we came to this point where I was like, are you going to come travel with me and yeah. like, and also I was things were going to the wayside. I was had too many projects. Yeah. Things were failing. Brooks was mad at me, rightfully so. <laughs> you know, they're like you're not racing well, you're not posting <laughs> on social media. And you you need to quit like your three other jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, get focused. Yeah, and get focused and uh and it's just been so cool building a family business together because yeah. that's what it is. Even if it's not like a family business like you would have seen yeah. 20 years ago, you know. I
1: mean The businesses that we are building in 2022, 2023 are different than any business that's ever been built before. You know, because we have access to tools that nobody ever had before. Mm -hmm. I was telling T the other day, I'm like, the best and worst thing that ever happened to me was the Internet. (laughs) Because in some ways it's just all intrusive and you can never get away from it. But it's allowed me to build a really cool community and a really cool business And allow me to live in Eugene, Oregon. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without the internet. There were no jobs for people in Eugene, Oregon 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Unless you wanted to get into teaching or forestry. Mm -hmm. And now here I can be based exactly where I want to be based. Doing what I want to be doing. But still make good money and and have the community that I wanted to have.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That's so cool and so special. Um, You're going to stay in Eugene for a while, you think?
1: For the short term. yeah. Maybe for the long term. I don't know. I love Eugene. Mm -hmm. um i bought a house there in 2006 when i first moved there to be with nike Mm -hmm. and though i bounced around a lot uh i always have had a house there i love the community love that it's track town usa i love the fishing i love the hiking i love the beer the food i just there's not a better place on planet earth yeah it's missing one thing and that's our family like my family's in boise her family's in washington so i could see us after having kids maybe like sitting down and saying like okay what what do we want that to look like Mm -hmm. um but Right now, I don't think there's a better place in the world for us. Eugene yeah. is uh, – you've been there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I've been it's, there.
1: If you guys haven't been to Eugene, I don't work for the city tourism <laughs> board. I'm telling you, it's the place.
0: Yeah, it is really amazing. I I adore Eugene. The only thing I don't like is the gray skies. But
1: yeah, you get used to it. You, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and, I, and I like the winter. So one thing I was mentioning is like when you don't have to run through it anymore – you find something in the winter that you just fall in love with. Like mm-hmm. it could be skiing, for example. Yeah. Um, for me, it's winter steelhead fishing. Like the steelhead fishing. Your audience can't see this, but my screensaver is a giant wild steelhead right out of the ocean. Wow. That thing is huge. Yeah. I mean, that's a 30 inch wild steelhead. And so that's what I do every Saturday. I just mm-hmm. go find a river and I fish for wild steelhead. And, uh, the winter fishing is so much better than the summer fishing that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the
0: winter. <laughs> <laughs> Why go. is that? How come it's better? In uh, time?
1: so we don't have natural summer steelhead in most rivers in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to catch a wild steelhead, the winter is the only time that they're going to come into the rivers. Yeah. These are rainbow trout that follow life's very similar to salmon. They're born in the river. They go out to the ocean. They get really big. Then they three years later, they come back to, yeah. like, to have babies and we harass them and take pictures with them. And then I'd <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> always let them go. I don't, yeah. I've never bonked a wild steelhead. Not about to.
0: Yeah. And is it illegal to eat them?
1: In some rivers you can kill them. Yeah. But our steelhead, the uh, populations are so depleted that anyone yeah. who bunks a steelhead is like,
0: get out of yeah, here. Yeah. Get here. yeah. yeah. Um, so you're so positive uh, and clearly very happy. And yeah. not um,
1: always, not
0: always. And, and it hasn't always been that
1: way. But. And that's what I was going <laughs> to ask,
0: you know, and I think probably your fans have seen so many of your highs and maybe yeah. your lows too, but what are, are some of those lows and speak as plainly or yeah. tell me to shut up as you want to. You know, uh, but I'm I mean, just curious. I can go
1: through. I, I, I'm a pretty positive person. Mm-hmm. I do notice this about myself that I'm not bipolar. I'm not manic depressive, but I have dips, you mm-hmm. know, like I run pretty high, but then sometimes it's just seasonal. Sometimes it's cyclical, but I'll have dips and I just kind of like shrug my shoulders and know I'll get through it. And I always bounce back. There have been a couple times in my life where I've been, I would say clinically depressed. Yeah. The first time was uh, in college when I couldn't run. I had to have double plaquectomy in my knees to get my plaque removed and I couldn't run for a year and I just won two national titles and I'm like, I'm the guy in D three and now I can't even run, you mm-hmm. know, and that sent me into a pretty big tailspin. That was, uh, for the first lesson and a very important lesson for me that I had put all of my identity into running. I wasn't just a guy who ran, I was a runner. Mm -hmm. And I learned very quickly that for me to have a long and healthy career, I couldn't be a runner. I had to be a guy that ran. You understand the difference? Oh yeah. (laughs) yeah. So, so I joined a fraternity and I just drank beer and, you know, I fished more and I went hiking more and fell in love with nature again. And eventually I got healthy and I became a runner again, but I didn't lose the lesson of, Hey, you need to have hobbies. You need to have other extracurriculars or they're going to go into a tailspin the next time you get uh you get injured. Mm-hmm. So I kind of you know when I talk about like telling coach, "Hey, Fridays are sacred to me. Like don't bother me Fridays." Like I I learned to carve out other interests and have a more multifaceted personality, more multifaceted set of interests to get me through those harder times. <laughs> the other big depression I went through um that jumps out at me really obviously was when I um, left Nike for Brooks. And I'm not saying that because I left Nike or because I didn't like Brooks. It was breaking up with my team and my coach. Yeah. It truly, I've been through a couple of bad breakups. It felt like breaking up with a really serious girlfriend or boyfriend, like really serious partner. I loved my coach. I loved Eugene. I loved Oregon Track Club Elite. And I didn't want to leave. But, you know, I knew that for my career to continue to progress, I needed to. And to switch... From Eugene to Seattle and uh, Mark Rowland to Danny Mackey and, you know, everything that had to come with it from OTC to the Beast, it was hard. It was really hard. It was the best thing I ever did. And I'm really glad I did because I had so much fun in Seattle. I met my wife there. I was able to extend my career much longer than I would have if I hadn't Mm -hmm. had stayed in Eugene. Um, it gave me some perspective on what Eugene was to me. It wasn't just a place that I was forced to go when I signed a deal with Nike. It was a place that was truly my home. Um, so everything happened the right way, but I just had such a hard time seeing the opportunity, um, because I was so much grieving the loss of this thing that had been so important to me, which was my team and my coach. Yeah. Um, I remember I was on, and I had a sports psychologist yeah. my entire career and if you're a serious athlete. Or even a not a serious athlete. You should get a sports psychologist. They're amazing. And I remember after like two months of just grieving the loss of of this team and my coach at OTC. You know, I called my sports psychologist crying. And I'm like, I think I made the wrong choice. And he's like, Why? Wow, you haven't even given Brooks a chance. You haven't given Seattle a chance yet. I'm like... It's gonna suck. I know it. It's just like a bigger version of Portland, and I hate Portland. Which Seattle's not. It's an amazing city. Portland, you still kind of suck. But um, he's like, he's like, you know what? I want. He goes. This is what I want you to think about. I know you're grieving the loss of the relationships that you had. You know, with OTC and Nike and Coach Rollin. But he's like, you're a guy who likes an adventure, and so what I want you to do right now is focus on everything that's before you. A new city to explore. New trails an opportunity to work with a coach that's going to maybe bring you workouts you've never seen and take you places you've never thought you could go. Teammates that are going to push you in new ways. And maybe in a bigger city, you know, with more dating opportunities, maybe you meet your future wife there. You know, and I'm like 28 and I'm like, yeah, it's an adventure. (laughs) There's like one word in my head, completely reframed it. And so immediately I stopped I mean I still was sad about the lost relationship but I started focusing more of my energy on let's view this next 3 or 4 years as like the ultimate adventure mm-hmm. and I got the coolest apartment in Seattle like really like U yeah. district right above this Italian restaurant like perfect I had to shout you know, through, the, through the nose for this apartment, but I'm like, this is an adventure. This isn't forever, and I'm going to make sure I have the best adventure. Mm-hmm. And I, I was able to bike everywhere along the Burke Gilman and train in these awesome new places and go explore the Olympic range and catch steelhead in new rivers. And it truly was the best best three or four years of my life. And I look back on the 28-year-old that was you know so distraught and crying. I'm like, dude, just stop.
0: It's going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to be okay. (laughs) You know,
1: like I think sometimes, especially with depression is a tough one because you know, the, the, the saying you can't see the forest through the trees. It's so (laughs) true. And every time I've really been depressed, it was a lack of perspective. It had nothing to do with the situation I was in, maybe 10% to do with the situation I was in, but the, the crippling depressions that I've been in were 100, were 90% based on my inability to step back and see just how incredible my situation on this planet is, you know, as Americans, um, mm-hmm. you know, with so many opportunities as a young man that was healthy and had a great family life and, and things that I wanted to do. Like I've always felt very blessed and any depression that I had was just an inability to see those blessings.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you tell someone who is, you know, going through a similar thing or just the, struggling and talk the, to somebody yeah.
1: like talk therapy is brilliant. It doesn't have to be a sports psychologist. It can't be your mom. You need to talk to a professional. Yeah. Anybody going through any serious depression, um, talk to a professional. They're trained to just ask you questions to get you to think outside of the little track that your mind is running in. Mm -hmm. And Jeff Trosh, if you're listening, like the best sports psychologist ever, he never told me what to do and he never yelled at me. He never like shouted at me. He just would ask me questions to get me out of the you know, one track mind that I had and, and to think about something in a totally different light. Mm-hmm. A great example, your, your listeners will like this one. Um, when I was about to retire, I was really struggling with the idea that I never won an Olympic medal. You know, mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know that I'll ever be able to look back on my career with any amount of happiness because I wasn't able to get an Olympic medal. And he's like, well, Nick, let me tell you about some of the Olympic medalists I know. He goes, they're miserable, miserable, and can't even think about their career. Look back on their, their, you know, races fondly because they didn't get the Olympic gold medal. And I'm like, oh really? And he goes, and let me tell you about some of the Olympic gold medalists I know. (laughs) He goes, they're miserable, miserable because they never got the world record. And so that's just what makes athletes great, right? You're never happy with what you accomplished. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe it's misery loves company, but I was like, that's just, that's just who we are. And if an Olympic gold medalist can't find satisfaction, you know, and if, you know, even like I've, I've heard, you know, Michael Phelps went through a huge depression after he retired. Mm -hmm. That's just the way we're wired. We're wired to want more. We're always going to focus on how do we get better. And so after he said that, I kind of just said, well, if I can't be the gold medalist that I wanted to be, then maybe I could be the guy that's the most content with what he accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my new goal, was just being super proud of everything I accomplished and yeah. and trying to just like be grateful that I even had the experience. Cause mm-hmm. you know, very few of us ever get the chance to see how great we can be in a sport. Mm-hmm. And I got the chance to do that. I got to I was never hindered by injury, never hindered by financial hardship. I was able to truly watch myself get better and better and better and peak and then slide down that horrible backside of that curve. <laughs> but I really got to see exactly how good I could be.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Out of curiosity, do you still talk to a professional?
1: I, I talk to Jeff about yeah. once a quarter, but it's more like just catching up. Friends yeah. And, uh, I sometimes still give him an S he calls them SOS calls mm-hmm. like Jeff help. <laughs> uh, but they're more manageable now. Yeah. You know, my problems today, um, They're probably not any bigger than my problems were then, but I'm better at dealing with them. Yeah. If that makes sense. And also addressing them before they spiral out of control.
0: Yeah. Um, That's so cool. So I love this last question or second to last uh, because it, everyone gets a different answer and everyone sees something in themselves that makes them great. And I believe that anyone who is, at the top of what they do, you know, their brains just work a little bit differently. Mm. I know my brain is not, you know, I wouldn't say normal. You know, it's just a little <laughs> bit different. Anybody running 120
1: miles a week has I know, it, there's uh, a different little... brain chemistry, <laughs> yeah. let just say that.
0: <laughs> I have to run that much to be able to yeah, assimilate <laughs> with society. Yeah. But um, what is it about you that makes you just a little bit different? Wow, that's a good question.
1: Um, I think that... Things that, um, and this will sound weird because I, you know, I keep talking about how I'm bouncing around and bouncing around. Mm-hmm. Once I latch on to something, it's almost impossible for me to let go of it. Um, a great example is I wanted to be a Boy Scout. I wanted to be an Eagle Scout. And I started Scouts late. I didn't start until I was 13. You have until the day you turn 18 to become an Eagle. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like had fun at 13 and kind of fun at 14. And then you go on to high school and I'd like, don't care about Boy Scouts anymore. (laughs) I'm more interested in like the girls that I have a crush on, but I couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. So I'd keep going to scout camp and I'd keep trying to get the badges and I'd keep, and like true to form, like a a month before I turned 18, I got my Eagle Scout. And that was the first time where I recognized like, I have to finish what I start. Mm -hmm. I was so proud that I didn't, even though I had all these other distractions, I I finished what I started. And I think to a much, much larger extent, college was that way for me. I hated college. I tried to drop out every single semester, <laughs> but I could not disappoint myself and not finish what I started. Mm-hmm. To the detriment sometimes. Sometimes we should quit what we start. Yeah. It makes it's making us miserable. We're not happy. We're not finding success. Sometimes it's okay to quit what you start. I can't. I will bang my head through that wall until I finish what I've started Running's a great example. I mm-hmm. should have retired earlier than I did, but I'm like, I have to see this through to the end mm-hmm. and I had an idea of what that end was and you know, with everything I've ever done, I, I can't quit until I find some, you know, that finish line, this mm-hmm. darn deadlifting challenge, no one should be deadlifting the way I'm deadlifting. <laughs> it is not a functional lift with what I'm doing. I've injured myself more than I care <laughs> to admit doing this. I just can't let it go you know so i think i find success because uh once i set a goal and have a finish line in mind i will not stop until i get there even mm-hmm. if it takes a decade
0: yeah that's that's awesome well, it's not the healthiest
1: thing to no, do but it's it's what has led to some success in my life as but
0: well but you know what you know Reaching for successful things—it's never all healthy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, the, I disagree.
1: Running is a great example of that.
0: Running is a great example yeah. of that, and just life in general. Any anywhere that you find success, yeah. you find unbalance. You yeah. Know. Um, for sure.
1: But what, you know what does it mean to be healthy necessarily? And I, exactly. I mean that like we all think, oh, health—it's a super obvious thing. It's not obvious. No. Not at all. Like I, I would say I'm way, way healthier today mentally and physically than I ever was as a pro runner Mm -hmm. and people are like what are you talking about you're 10 pounds overweight (laughs) I'm like yeah and I don't get sick anymore I used to get sick all the time when I was running because I was you know pushing the envelope and I was Mm -hmm. you know trying to stay so lean and um you know and I was miserable half the time and now I'm mentally not (laughs) happy you know so I think that uh Health and happy, well, happiness to me is pretty um, objective, but health is very subjective, and mm-hmm. what we define as, as healthy can be interpreted differently.
0: Yeah, and can mean, like, Mental, physical, yes. you know, family life. Yeah. You know, I don't think if someone is content in their life, but everyone hates them, that's not necessarily that's not healthy, yeah. you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so maybe <laughs> that's a good example.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> like sometimes an asshole is fine with himself, yeah, but... <laughs> but maybe you need to look
1: outward and see why everyone calls exactly. you an asshole. <laughs>
0: um, I try and look at it sometimes as, like, fulfillment, is yeah. healthiness. Like, I feel yeah. very fulfilled, and even though people might question, like, ah, you're kind of crazy.
1: Like yeah, but, it, if, but you feel fulfilled in that craziness. Exactly. So let it happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, last one. So if what is something that you can name that you're proud of that you haven't talked about on
1: screen before? Oh, um,
0: no one can know except for your wife and family.
1: Okay, that's a good one. Cause as a content creator, that's kind of my job is like sharing everything. (laughs) That's
0: why I love this question. Yeah.
1: Holy cow. Uh, something I'm really proud of. No one really knows. I mean, obviously my brain goes to like all the like public goal things that I do, but that's not the point of the question. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been faithful to my wife since the day I met her. Um, I, you know, it was, I'm not going to use the word playboy in my 20s, but like I traveled the world and I had relationships and I always thought I will settle down one day, you know, but I kind of like used that like, oh, I'll settle down one day. I'll settle <laughs> down one day. Yeah. And then I met my wife when I was 31 and... Um, we started dating and I have been 100% faithful to her the entire time, Mm -hmm. which if you told 25 year old Nick, he'd be like, yeah, right. No, hundred percent faithful. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: what was different about her?
1: Um, gosh, a lot's different about her. I, I dated a lot. I I was, I'm the weirdo that loved dating. Like Mm -hmm. I love first dates. I, I was on Bumble, Tinder, you know, you name it. And where most people find that very frustrating and annoying. I loved it. I would only go. So those of you listening that are on dating apps, this is my suggestion for you. First date only can be coffee and can only be in the middle of the day from like 12 to 1230. You have a hard out. You're committing $3.50 and 30 minutes of your time. And you should be doing that two to three days a week because it is a numbers game. All right. (laughs) Yeah. And you're going to know almost instantly whether you want to see that person again Mm -hmm. and if you don't there's no harm no foul be very honest like I don't this isn't this isn't working for me there's no chemistry let them go find their partner right but you should be finding somebody that you you don't have to fall in love with them on day one it's not going to happen but you say hey I spent 30 minutes having coffee with this person and at the end of that 30 minutes I wanted the conversation to continue And then you guys go get dinner or something you Mm -hmm. know or you go for a walk and you talk longer yeah but um i loved that i went on a lot of first dates in seattle and a lot of those were just not fun and the follow-up dates were just worse even worse (laughs) yeah and i felt like um you know i come from boise idaho i come from like a pretty rural not humble but like simple background you know Mm -hmm. and i just wanted somebody down to earth especially with the fact that my life had been kind of up in the clouds as this pro athlete for the last 10 years. I'm like, I just want to find somebody that has the same values that I have and wants to like create something su- solid and sustainable and safe with me. And I met Tiana and she is a dime. Like she's a perfect 10, but she doesn't walk around like she's a 10. She just <laughs> uh, really comes from a good family and, um, she was more nervous than I was, you know, which I'm like, well, you have nothing to be nervous about, you know? So I just felt uh, very at ease with her. I loved her family. And, you know, it's not one of those things where like day one, you're like all in, but you know, I was like, I, this girl deserves my respect and attention mm-hmm. and it deserves me not messing it up. And so we dated for about a month and then she, she actually came to me and she's like, I want to make this more serious. And I was like, okay, cool. Me too. And then, you know, we dated for four years and then got married.
0: Amazing. so we've been together
1: seven plus years now
0: cool yeah. was that first date coffee yeah coffee. 30 minutes and then 30 was minute it... coffee
1: and also i think it's really nice if the guy can be more accommodating which i had all afternoon free mm-hmm. um i would usually meet them near their work
0: right mm-hmm, yeah so
1: they feel safe they're in their neighborhood i'd say hey where do you work is there a coffee shop that you like to frequent nearby and there's this little st- coffee shop downtown seattle called storyville and we met for coffee and you know, I have my 30 minute hard out, but we talked for like an hour Yeah. and then I'm like, listen, I know you're probably late for work. Let me get you back for work. And then we went out for dinner a couple nights later. So I just think dating is really tough. Yeah. Um, I think that the internet is your friend. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't think of it that mm-hmm. way, but if dating is a numbers game, the internet is what allows you to have the numbers game yeah Um, i didn't like meeting people at bars i thought that was a a less authentic experience where Mm -hmm. everybody's messed up and shouting and you can't hear anything and you're kind of inebriated anyways i'm like that's not as authentic as just having a little back and forth online and then sitting down for coffee yeah and so i thought that i thought that was awesome
0: yeah that's such good advice i'm gonna tell like 100 people
1: now (laughs) (laughs) oh you want to hear it so anyone who's been on dating apps is going to hate this Tiana had never been on a dating app. Her friends talked her into Bumble. Guess what her first Bumble date was? Yours. Me. She yeah. won and done it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that is so it. funny. But good for her. Yeah. I had I went on one Bumble date before. We uh, dated in high school, and I did one Bumble date. Yeah, how bad was? Which it? Which he called me on the way to the Bumble <laughs> date. And I'm Not like, yet. oh my god. <laughs> it was and nice then, it. Yeah, 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 I didn't, I didn't tell him. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, this guy wanted to like talk for days before going on date. I'm like, no,
1: no, you don't know what's got time for that. I'm,
0: I'm, I know yeah. exactly. I'm like, this There, there is should be the, the little
1: playful banter in yeah, the app for, you know, like 10 messages back and forth. And then it's like, all right, are we going to meet for coffee or not?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that
1: would be very direct. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm super busy, which certainly was like maybe yeah. not at, from like noon to 3 every day i didn't have anything to do but for but managing for my all career, your needs. <laughs> yeah for my career i was really focused yeah. and busy and i'm like listen i i've got 30 minutes and i'd love to meet you for coffee and sometimes that scared people away mm-hmm. which i'm like if you don't want to sit down in a very safe you know public space and have coffee then i'm like i got no time for this yeah um and so i think that's a really nice way to, I, I, I i'm sitting here like i'm the like king of online dating mm-hmm. i went through a lot of online dating before that, that was not successful where I came up with this 30 minute coffee idea where I'd like meet somebody for a first date for dinner. And then I'm out like $150 for somebody that I don't want to see again.
0: And hours.
1: I know hours of both of our time. Yeah. Um, The sooner you can be honest with the person you're dating, like the better, even if you're not interested, especially if you're not interested at all, Mm -hmm. do yourself a favor, cut it quick, do them a favor, cut Cut it it quick. quick and again going back to the numbers game you're gonna find somebody you just got to keep going on these coffee dates Mm -hmm. and look at it as fun you know when i said like i loved uh i loved the first date even if i sat down and i had nothing in common with the person i knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere i loved hearing their story yeah so look at it as a chance to just like hear somebody's unique story like okay we're both sitting here at this table you know, 8 billion people. We're here right now. Tell me what got you to this moment. Yeah. And some people had the most incredible stories. That's you so know? cool. Even if I didn't want to like date them, I'm still super curious about like yeah. how they got there.
0: And then you learn so much too you along the lot. way. My yeah. mom is the same way she's uh, dating now, but, um, I won't say her age, but she got into online dating after moving. She li- lived in Hawaii for 25 years. Wow. And then, where'd you move? um, she moved to New York City. Actually, that's a big um, change. Yeah. Well, she she was um, a professional model when oh, she wow. was young, and that's what brought her to Hawaii. Mm. And she started dating people. You know, mm. just going on online dates, and she loved it. I'm she, sure. Like, New York
1: would be so much it fun. Was, she had
0: such a blast, yeah. and um, I would always get the best stories yeah. from her. You
1: know.
0: <laughs> um, and you know, of course, my mom is like beautiful, so she'd have you know more
1: the, dates than she knew more what to
0: dates do with. than yeah. she knew what to do with, and it was so fun to listen to now i love her boyfriend now but yeah um that she met on tinder so like it's awesome yeah yeah it's great cool well nick i gotta wrap this up this was a blast thank you so much for coming by any last words
1: i just hope you guys find a passion for fitness that's what it's all about i call it the glue that holds my life together yeah you know exactly what i'm talking about a workout each day makes food taste better Mm -hmm. it helps you sleep Makes your relationships better, it gives you more energy. I mean, every single thing in your life is better if you have a a relationship with fitness, in my opinion.
0: Me too. And I think something that you didn't mention that is often overlooked is like in this country, everyone feels so bad in their bodies. Like not like emotionally feels bad, not confident in their bodies, but also they're like, why am I? painting the toilet every day you know? <laughs> I know. Like, and yeah. it's just normalized. Like, why does it
1: hurt to sit? Oh, well, it's know. probably because you're not doing any mobility.
0: I know you're not doing mobility, Which I hate, or you're but not I strong. do it because I
1: want to sit comfortably. Same,
0: same. I begrudgingly yeah. did my mobility right before you walked Good. in. I was like, ah, uh. <laughs> but if, if
1: you're, if you're, and it's not just about looking in the mirror. I know we all want to have like these like yeah. great um, bodies. It, it's, it's 10% that it's 90% just being, Proud of the you know automobile that you are piloting
0: exactly, you know, and, and, if, and
1: making sure that that engine's running well
0: exactly. And if you're running in a fog, yeah, metaphorically running. If you're living yeah. in a fog and living in pain, of course you're not going to feel good about yeah. any of it. How you look, how you act. Um, so that's great advice. Yeah. I live by that too. I have to. One move.
1: last thing: Do you yeah. run in the morning or afternoon? You probably run both. Don't
0: both. You? Yeah, you're doing those doubles.
1: <laughs> I learned from a physiologist that. Humans, it's not like one or the other, Mm -hmm. like we're we're wired differently. And and part of this is like how we came to create civilizations where some were like morning people and some were evening people, but at least somebody was always on watch. Mm -hmm. There are people that hate working out in the mornings and I don't get it. I yeah. only want to work out in the mornings. So if you if I miss my morning workout, it's probably not gonna happen. Same. Because I hate the afternoon workouts. Mm-hmm. Uh but there are people that feel the exact opposite. They're like, please, please, please don't make me work out in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you can have the afternoon class. I know, I know. But uh find out who you are. Yeah. Because maybe you don't have a love for fitness because you're trying to cram it into an eight AM class when your body does not want to work out at eight AM. Yeah. Find out that schedule that works with your own circadian rhythms Mm -hmm. and then, you know, recognize that and and use it to your advantage.
0: And it's physiological. It's not mental. You're not weak for not wanting to work out in the morning. It's It's not a discipline thing. It's just
1: literally how your body responds to the day. Yeah. I love morning workouts. Um, I, you know, it's the first thing I want to do in the morning. I think that there is a, there is a scientific advantage to that in that, um, kind of triggers things in your body to happen throughout the day that Mm -hmm. need to happen, synapses firing better and more energy. Uh, but that's not to say that having an afternoon workout isn't going to be very beneficial for you as well. One argument also for the morning workout for you busy you know people out there <laughs> is if you get it done in the morning, no matter what happens the rest of the day, because there will be curveballs and mm-hmm. fires thrown at you throughout it's the day, done. you got your workout in. Yeah. That was kind of a cardinal rule of being a distance runner. Um, especially if you were home with family or if you were traveling, you get your work- workout done in the morning so that no matter what priority number one was taken care of. Yeah.
0: That's, I mean, when I'm not living by that, yeah. everything else falls apart for me and 100%. I I don't train. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad.
1: When I, you know what the hardest thing when I stopped running professionally was, I didn't know when to shower.
0: Oh my god, that weird? Yeah, I was yeah. like,
1: I haven't showered in three days because I always shower after my workout Yeah, and I haven't worked out in three days. I should probably go shower. (laughs) What a weird thing to like lose track of.
0: I know. That's even for me now, especially in the winter time, if I'm not training, I'm like,
1: do I need to? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Like when do I eat? I always eat my first meal after working out. Yeah. Just kind of floating through life aimlessly. (laughs) Yeah. The running, the workout is the glue that holds my life together. Mm-hmm. I really mean that.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank Nick. you. This my is, pleasure. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Give me one of these. Yeah.
1: Sick. All right. Is that a wrap? That's uh, a wrap. Good stuff, you guys. Thanks. Hey. hey. That was so fun. Yeah, that was I good. Good, good questions. Yeah. yeah. I try to ask questions that you probably haven't been asked before. so oh, these were great. I haven't done a podcast in you years nice wow, yeah. right. so, so it's all fresh material. Yeah.